It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Fox News Podcasts presents the Brett Bear Podcast. Common ground. There are a number of senators on the Republican side that continue to want to find common ground. We emphasize the conflict and, and controversy sells. And I think it's a problem because most Americans look at Washington and see something that's broken. Why don't we look for ways that we celebrate what this country is capable of doing? It's amazing what you can do when you get off social media and you start talking, communicating with one another because there is common ground. With Fox News chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Welcome to this week's Common Ground as part of the Brett Bear podcast, trying to bring together people from different points of view, whether it's lawmakers from different sides of the aisle working together on something, whether it's CEOs with different perspectives, regular folks who have different thoughts but can come together on something uh, to move the country forward. Joining us this time, Delaware Democratic Senator Chris Coons and Ohio Republican Senator Rob Portman. Uh, Senator, thanks for being here. I do want to start with, obviously, the news this week about uh, the midterm elections, which actually are continuing as races are uh, continuing to be counted and uh, the control of both the House and the Senate uh, up in the air. I just want to get 30,000 feet. You're all, what your perception is about the midterm and the message sent by voters as you see it from both of your perspectives. Senator Portman, first to you. Well, I think what the voters have said is pretty clearly, uh, Brett, we don't want to see extremes on either end. And so, once again, our very divided country has ended up kind of in the middle. I mean, it's extraordinary to think about this, but we are literally going to be either 50-50 in the Senate or 49-51, probably one way or the other. And in the House, the majority looks like it will shift to the Republicans, which I think is a positive thing for the country, but it's a very small majority. So, it just means that the the voters have spoken once again and said they, they are not interested in the extreme candidates or the extreme positions. Uh, By the way, I think the Biden administration should pay attention to that and the president should begin governing more from the middle, which is what he promised, of course, in the campaign and pledged in his inaugural address. And this is an opportunity for a reset. Senator Coons, your take, 30,000 feet. Well, Brett, I think uh, President Biden and the Democrats in Congress uh, have um, succeeded in pushing back against history, typically in a first midterm election Uh, The incumbent president's party loses between 25 and 30 seats in the House and typically four seats in the Senate. So this is a positive outcome. I will agree with Rob that I think this is, it's striking that after $10 billion spent on this campaign, it looks to me like we'll end up right back where we started, a 50-50 Senate. Uh, And more than ever, a need for us to find common ground and to work together to move the country forward. Senator Coons, you know, I'm going to play a little composite of some sound bites from from president's uh, past and, and president biden in this traditional news conference after midterms take a listen i'm not recommending for every future president that they take a shellacking like they like i did last night today i had a chance to speak with john boehner and congratulated mitch mcconnell on becoming the next senate majority leader speaker nancy pelosi and I give her a lot of credit. It really could be a beautiful bipartisan type of situation. What in the next two years do you intend to do differently uh, to change people's uh, opinion of the direction of the country, particularly as you contemplate a run for president in 2024? Nothing. 
<laughs> that was President Biden yesterday, Senator Coons. But I guess definitely he beat expectations, and Democrats beat expectations heading in. And there was no red wave. It was a ripple, maybe except for Florida. But nothing, is that the message that, that Democrats are taking from the midterms? Well, Brad, um, Rob and I worked very well together on a couple of big and important bills. Uh, we got bipartisan bills passed in the Senate on infrastructure, uh, on bringing uh, investment back to the United States, on uh, reshoring the chips and science industries that are critical to the 21st century. Uh, and it's my hope that going into the next Congress, it's that sort of work uh, that will get priority and will get emphasis and that will find a way to continue this direction. Um, some of the best parts of the last two years were the bills we were able to get done when both parties came together. So, Senator Portman, on, on the Republican side, uh, there are several people looking at this saying that this is somewhat of a repudiation of uh, more extremist or, uh, in their words, MAGA candidates uh, that former President Trump endorsed. Uh, the New York Post uh, saying that uh, the, the next... Uh, leader of the Republican Party is going to be uh, Ron DeSantis from Florida. They have uh, Trumpy Dumpty as far as uh, the endorsements that the former president made. How do you see the Republican Party going forward, uh, considering the results in the midterms? Well, first, let me say so much for the reset in terms of uh, President Biden's comments that nothing's going to change. Uh, something should change, and we should figure out a way now to work together. It is divided government. You will have a majority in the House, which is different. Uh, we'll see what happens in the Senate. I tend to agree with Senator Coons. We're likely to end up back where we are. Um, but with regard to the, the elections and uh, who was, um, you know, a MAGA candidate or, or, or who wasn't, uh, I, I, I think it was not a good night for Donald Trump. I mean, it was not a good night because he helped in many respects to promote some of these candidacies. Uh, I think Arizona, I think New Hampshire as an example where we were not able to be successful, even though it looked like uh, early on we were, we were going to be just based on the, on the, on the demographics. Uh, Governor Ducey, as an example, in Arizona, and certainly Governor Sununu in, in New Hampshire would have been very, very strong candidates, as an example. So um, I think that's true. And then I think, second, that the policy proposals that people were putting out there, when they stuck to the issues that people really are focused on, like inflation in the economy, uh, safety, public safety in our communities, the border and the fentanyl surge into this country, candidates did very well. When they were focused on talking about the past, talking about 2020, and uh, and the elections of the past, and, and in some cases denying those elections, they did not fare well. And this is not just Senate candidates, this is governors and, and secretaries of state and so on. So I, I think that's the message. I hope that's the message that the Republican Party leaders get from this election, because we owe it to the American people to promote our good policies. We think that they're better for the country. And I think that's what uh, voters told us as well. Is that one of the reasons you didn't run for re-election? Is because you, you worried about the party going more that way? Well, it, you know, Chris and I love to get stuff done. It's harder to get things done. It's still possible. And again, I think this is an opportunity for a reset. Also, Brett, as you and I have talked about, I've been at this business for a long time, 30 years in public service, time to give others a chance. And uh, I was succeeded uh, by a Republican, J.D. Vance, who will now be the Republican senator from Ohio. Uh, I'm happy about that and look forward to working with J.D. And, and uh, you know, but it's time, time for me to do something else. Let me uh, ask you one more question about the election. I want to turn to how you all are working together. Um, 
on something in foreign policy, and that is there are critics, Senator Portman, uh, of Senator McConnell and how he orchestrated things. He took money away from New Hampshire and Don Bolduck and took money out of the race in Arizona with Blake Masters and actually gave money to Lisa Murkowski, who was running against another Republican, a Trump-supported Republican in Alaska. And so is that criticism fair of the Senate minority leader? No, I'd say just the opposite. Um, you know, some some people say that uh, the hundred million bucks or so on that uh, that President Trump had was not was not used very much in terms of these races. And there's you know there's a, a fact basis for that. You can look at how much money was put in. But as an example, in Ohio, J.D. Vance was behind at some points, and then he was tied. It was a tight race. It was Senator McConnell who stepped forward and provided over thirty million bucks for Ohio, which is unprecedented, and got him over the top. Even though he was you know he was uh, Senator he was former President Trump's candidate in the primary, um, not Senator McConnell. So Senator McConnell really stepped up. Same uh, goes for these other states. Georgia is an example where he spent an enormous amount of money. Uh, Wisconsin uh, getting Ron Johnson over the line, and uh, he was our Republican incumbent who, who won, ran a good race, but he needed the help, and Senator McConnell stepped up. So I think when you look at the numbers, uh, Senator McConnell raised uh, an unprecedented amount of money uh, for the uh, the leadership fund, and then he he deployed it, I think, properly to, to win some, some important races like Ohio. All right, we're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back after this. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. All right, let's talk about uh, foreign policy. You all just returned uh, from a trip overseas, and the stop being uh, Ukraine and uh, the focus on Ukraine and what's happening on the ground in, in, uh, with Russia. The president said yesterday that there will not be a blank check as far as the military aid. He also said this about possible negotiations. They're coming back across the river to the eastern side of the river, the Russian forces. And I said, what's going to happen is they're going to all both lick their wounds, decide whether what they're going to do over the winter and decide whether or not they're going to compromise. That's that's what's going to happen, whether or not. I don't know what they're going to do. And but I do know one thing. We're not going to tell them what they have to do. Senator Coons, tell me about the trip and tell me about where you think the possibility of negotiations or if they are going to start negotiating. Well, Brad, it was a real blessing to get to travel with Senator Portman and to go to Kyiv uh, to present the Liberty Medal from the National Constitution Center to President Zelensky, uh, to have a chance uh, to visit with uh, our embassy and the great folks who are working representing the United States in country in Ukraine, and to get to see how our aid is being distributed. Uh, we went to a church in Kyiv to see how uh, a locally-based aid group is distributing food and other relief to Ukrainian refugees. Um, I'm concerned that uh, Putin assumes that the American people will lose interest and has found, in his view, the Achilles heel of Ukraine and is targeting and attacking their infrastructure and is trying to leave millions of Ukrainians in the cold and dark this winter. We saw in our meeting with Zelensky, President Zelensky, his senior advisors, and based on our conversations with the 101st uh, Division, the Americans who are helping flow aid into Ukraine, who we visited in Poland. Um, we are confident that Ukraine continues to fight fiercely on the battlefield, to make progress on the battlefield. They are determined. They simply want our sustained support. Um, our Western allies, our NATO allies, uh, are in this fight with us and are supporting Ukraine. Um, Rob and I um, made a number of important inquiries about 
uh, the traceability and the transparency of our assistance. Uh, and I think going forward, we should continue to be reliable and robust supporters of Ukraine's fight for freedom. And what about the negotiation possibilities? Look, I agree that um, President Zelensky and the Ukrainians have to be open to the possibility of negotiations, but on their terms, not on Russia's terms. Uh, Putin, from the outset of his unjustified and brutal invasion, has demanded that Ukraine essentially give up its sovereignty. And they are fighting fiercely, and they deserve uh, the chance to make their course of decisions uh, about the future of their country. Senator Portman, there are some inside the Republican Party who are concerned about the money flowing there, that, uh, that it's going to be never-ending. Uh, Josh Rogan wrote a piece, uh, the next Congress could cause Ukraine to lose the war, saying uh, Leader McCarthy and other GOP House leaders are already discussing how to alter the Ukraine aid package in the next Congress to respond to a wide array of concerns within their caucus. Some far-right lawmakers are calling for a complete cutoff of aid to Ukraine, but many Republicans are looking to cut much of the economic assistance while keeping or even increasing the military component, something of a compromise. There is a debate about that going forward. Well, I think it's appropriate to have a debate. It's, it's, it's a lot of money. Uh, on the other hand, it is absolutely essential that we continue to support Ukraine during this pivotal moment. I mean, Russia, uh, an authoritarian country, uh, waltzes into its neighbor, Ukraine, a, a democracy, a strong ally of the United States. And if we don't stand up along with the rest of the free world, which, you know, there are 50 countries who have provided military assistance to Ukraine, it's not just us, then the message that is sent uh, to China vis-a-vis -vis Taiwan and, and other places, uh, to Iran and uh, the Middle East and, and Israel, and to other authoritarian regimes is absolutely against our national security interests. So I think it's really important that we step up and continue to support them. The funding needs to be accountable. There's no question about that. This is not a blank check. This is American taxpayer money. And of course, we ought to have a, a, a clear accounting of how the money is being spent. And that is happening to the extent uh, it, it is possible during wartime, which is difficult. Could we do better? Yeah, I think we, I think we could. Uh, there are two things that I was impressed with. And Senator Kuntz and I, uh, as you mentioned, visited the 101st, first in Poland, which is the group that's taking a lot of this military equipment, getting it into country. And there is end-use monitoring that is unprecedented for that weaponry, to the point that both the 101st and the folks in the embassy in Kyiv told us that they do not believe that there has been any diversion of American military weapons uh, to the Russians or other forces, you know, or other, you know, the Belarus or anywhere else. That is amazing, really, given how much we, we've been sending into country. But it's partly because we are monitoring it, and that's important, and we'll monitor more as we have the ability to do that. Second, with regard to the humanitarian aid and the aid for the economy, just to keep U Ukraine from collapsing, uh, that funding also is subject to some accountability measures. And those guardrails include having Deloitte, which is an accounting firm, looking over it, uh, also the World Bank uh, issuing the money and, and therefore keeping account of the transparency side of that and issuing reports on it. So I think that can be strengthened more, uh, but it's, it should be known by the American taxpayer that that's happening right now. The final point I just want to make, Brett, is, you know, this is the, the battle of our times in terms of the fight for freedom. And I think about Kuwait, you know, uh, back when you and I were first getting started uh, in this business of, of politics, the last time really an authoritarian regime stepped into uh, another country and tried to take it over. Uh, we sent about a half million troops to the Middle East, and Saudi Arabia in particular. And you remember what the tremendous cost and tremendous logistics. Uh, I think about the number of troops that we sent to Iraq and Afghanistan. That's not what we're doing here. There are no American troops on the ground, period. Uh, so this is something that I think is a much more sensible approach. 
as long as we have the help from the Europeans and, and many of our allies uh, around the world, uh, I think we can provide the Ukrainians what they need to defend themselves. The big news today is the fact that the Russians are actually moving out of the one city, the one territorial regional capital that they took, which is Kherson, Kherson spelled K-E-R-S-O-N, and they're actually pushing out. So this is a big victory for the Ukrainians today. Um, the Ukrainians are also making progress in other parts of the country. So as they win on the battlefield, that's when Russia will be willing to come to the bargaining table and, and actually talk. Right now, I think we need to support them in every way we possibly can. Yeah, Senator Coons, when you look at those maps, you can see there is movement here, and the Ukrainians are making progress. The question is, how, when does this come to an end, and at what cost? Uh, you had uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Economic Club in New York, saying, when there is an opportunity to negotiate, when peace can be achieved, seize it, seize the day. Um, it, there's just a lot of Americans wondering, how long does this last, and do we have any sense? I think it lasts less long if we well, are strong yeah, <laughs> you know, for Coons? providing help. I could not agree more. If the message from the United States is that we are uh, re that we are a reliable partner, that we will continue to provide robust support, economic, humanitarian, and military, that increases the odds that Putin realizes he cannot win and he comes to the table. If Putin wins, freedom loses. And if Putin comes to the table and negotiates because he sees he cannot win in Ukraine, that is a significant step forward for the Ukrainian people and for the cause of freedom around the world. I want to end where, where we began and talking about uh, the possibility of politics changing in the U.S. Uh, Senator Coons, uh, Democratic Representative uh, Alyssa Slotkin in Michigan, she won her race, and, uh, but it was a tough one. And she talked about how she thinks uh, people are changing and, and the ideology is changing. Take a listen. Our state voted for Donald Trump in 2016, but I think at this point, people are just looking for someone who plays in the center and is a pragmatist. They don't like the extremes on either side of the aisle, and I think that's what we're starting to see. And Michigan is often a bellwether of, of trends to come in the rest of the country. There's some people in politics who, even after the midterm, say, listen, that's looking through rose-colored glasses, that each party stirs the base come election time, and we're going to get ready to go into a presidential election season in a nation that is clearly very divided. How do you see it? What she said, is there a rise of the center that is possible? Both of you are obviously senators who reach across the aisle uh, to try to get things done. Well, Brett, I'm here in Georgetown, Delaware, for a very Delaware celebration called Returns Day. It happens two days after the election, and the folks who win and the folks who lose in the election uh, march down the main street here or ride down the main street in a wagon together, um, and we have a, a burying of the hatchet. Literally, uh, the folks uh, after the elections get together here in the county seat of our southernmost county uh, and bury uh, a hatchet in beach sand. Uh, I think it's a good symbol of what I think the American people are looking for, which is move forward past the elections, uh, enough with the attack ads, find ways to listen to each other and work together and get things done. What I heard from the folks I was talking to here today in Georgetown, Delaware, was work together and solve problems. I'm grateful for Senator Portman and his partnership as we've gotten uh, bills uh, across the line into the president's desk. And I'm hopeful in our last few weeks together here in the end of this Congress, we can continue to provide the needed support for Ukraine. 
And Senator Portman, your thoughts, I mean, about that message. Is there a rise of the center? Again, I guarantee you it's going to be a bumpy primary considering what we're yeah. looking at already. Well, Brett, I, I attribute uh, all this movement toward more common sense, finding common ground to you. You know, you, you put people <laughs> on your show who we're actually trying. want to talk about that. Um, I mean, my, my view is pretty simple. I think the American people elect us to get things done. You know, we, we have a job to do. And yeah, we have our, our points of view and it's strong. It's important that we strongly express those. But at some point, we've got to solve issues like immigration and the border that's out of control. Or like this inflation problem, it's a huge, huge issue. Like public safety. So, you know, Senator Coons does a, a good job of reaching across the aisle and working with Republicans to get stuff done. I'm probably going to hurt his reelection chances in his primary by saying that. But that's what we need more of. I mean, honestly, I think that's what the, the vast majority of voters want, but we've found ourselves too often, I think, just speaking to, to the extremes. And again, it's not that we shouldn't have differences. Of course we can have differences. That's fine. This is a democracy. It can be a, you know, a vigorous debate. But at the end of the day, if you're not getting stuff done, but rather running into partisan gridlock, you're not serving anybody. And let's face it, we've got plenty of problems, and the world has plenty of problems right now, so we've got to figure that out. So honestly, Brett, thanks for having us on uh, this evening to talk about it. But you've done this with me a number of times now. I've watched your show a lot. And it's great because you're bringing people together, different points of view, but say, how do you find that common ground to move the country forward? Well, Senator Portman, we appreciate it. Uh, Senator Coons, thank you very much. And uh, we're going to keep doing this. Pass the word up on Capitol Hill. Maybe more of your colleagues will come over and uh, talk to us about what they're working on. Senator Portman, Senator Coons, thanks for the time. And thank you for tuning in to the Common Ground podcast. It falls under the Brett Bear podcast. You can download it every week on foxnewspodcast.com, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. You can also see this on the Fox News YouTube channel every week. We'll see you next time for Common Ground. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.